0: I want to text her and say, hey, it's on now. I can't do it. Both of my phones are used up here. All right. Okay. Well, praise the Lord. We are on live now on Blog Talk Radio and on Facebook Live. So I hope folks are listening in, watching us tonight, and want to teach you something, want to help you tonight, want to give you some truth. So let's get into it. Proverbs chapter 23, we've already prayed. We prayed just a moment ago. Proverbs twenty-three, nineteen through 25. Let's look. Let's start off. We're gonna take three verses in first thing we do. We're gonna to look tonight uh, right here in these first three verses. You know, again, proverbs are father Solomon writing to his son to impart his wisdom to his son, so that he he has a uh, he has a head start in life. You know, we gotta have wisdom. We don't have wisdom, we're gonna make a terrible mess of things. So he's giving him this. Uh, hopefully that he'll take these things in and learn from it and be a better man for it. He didn't, however, but he could have. Amen. It wasn't because it, he didn't have it, because he had a great advantage. I, if my daddy had wrote a book of Proverbs to give to me, and, I mean, I, I know, uh, Mom's shaking her head. <laughs> it wouldn't have been a very good book if daddy had wrote it. But, but, but if my dad had lost if my dad had the wisdom of Solomon and wrote a book of Proverbs to give to me, what a treasure that would have been. Amen. But he's going to warn his child about two things my daddy never warned me about, wine and women. Unfortunately, my daddy didn't warn me about those things. He encouraged me in that area, and I praise God that I, I know better now. But I tell you, I had a terrible influence. I had a terrible uh, a role model to follow because he was everything but warning against it. But uh, anyway, we're going to look about look at alcohol next week, next Wednesday, and we're going to see exactly how God feels about drinking. Uh, I don't know how you feel about drinking, but I know how God feels about it. And, and believe you me, God ain't for it. Amen. God, I, I will go ahead and tell you this real quick. God God is for uh, moderation. Now, that don't mean, oh, I feel like going to have a few margaritas tonight. What he's talking about is if you're sick and you need to take a dose of NyQuil, which has alcohol in it to help you sleep so you get well, God ain't against you having a little... Or 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 back in the old days, what did you do when you had a bad cough? They put took a little honey, a little lemon, and a little whiskey and they mixed it together and you drank that and it helped you sleep. So it was just early was all that was. But but you know, he told Timothy, take a <coughs> take a little wine for thy stomach and thine often infirmities. That's the moderation. It's not social drinking. Uh, but we're not into social drinking and all that to that. Right? <coughs> we're gonna get into this. So First off, he warns about the danger of running around with those that do drink, running around with the wrong companions, all right? Verse 19, 20, and 21, he says, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among righteous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags all right let's start right there in verse 19 where he says hear thou my son and be wise i mean this is the basic context. i mean it's the basic point of proverbs is to hear my son and be wise all of it basically is in that context it's the wise instruction of a daddy to his children who wants his children to turn out for god and turn out right and not have to hold all the pitfalls of life that people fall into when they follow their fleshly inclinations so he's, he's pleading with him to hear these truths and listen to God versus listening to all of his friends and all the outside noise, all right? He says here, Charles Spurgeon, I like what he said here. He said, he said I have read that in the, in the reign of Queen Elizabeth there was a law made that everybody should go to, to his parish church. In other words, where, you, where you're from, right there in that area, that's the one you were to go to. But many sincere Romanists or Catholics, they loathed to go and hear from them. They couldn't stand it. So through fear of persecution, they went to the parish church, but they took care to fill their ears with wool so that they should not hear what the priest condemned. It's the wretched work of preaching to a congregation. He said it's wretched work preaching to a congregation whose ears are stopped up with prejudice. So, again, you've got to, you got to hear what's being said. If you come and, if somebody's trying to teach you something and you're like, I don't care what you got to say, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say, you're not going to hear it. It's going to go in one ear, out the other, right? And and that's what he's warning against. He's warning against it going in one ear and out the other. And I tell you, growing, raising my children up, my boys, that felt like every time I told them something, it went in one ear and out the other. But I learned since then that some of that stuck. I'm learning day by day that some of it did stick, even though I was very, uh, I was very uh, worried that, that that it didn't, and I was hoping I was hoping they did because I didn't want them to, to end up making a mess out of themselves. But, but praise God, some of it stuck. But he says he tells him to hear, listen, and be wise. Take this in, and he says and guide thine heart in the way. That's important. Listen. The son has heard the words of wisdom. The dad has imparted to him the words of wisdom. He now knows that there is a better way. He has heard that there is a better way. Not only is it a better way, it's a proven way that his elders have walked in and found to be true. So he's got evidence right there. Daddy did it this way, and it worked. Grandpa did it this way, and it worked. Great-grandpa did it this way, and it worked. He knows that they have found God's way to be the way of blessing and peace, and it is. You do things God's way, God's going to bless you. He's going to pour out his favor on you. And he's been brought up in that way, all right? He, he's, he's heard it. He's been brought up in that way, but now he's got to choose for himself between the path that he's been taught or to listen to the enticement of all the new voices out there that are saying, come, go with us and do it this way. Uh, I don't care. Them old, them old people don't know what they're talking about. Don't listen, to mom and daddy. Let's go have some fun. Let's go. You, know, you don't get in trouble. It'd be fine. That's what I was told. And I got in a lot of trouble because I, I listened to some of them voices when I was a kid. I made some terrible choices when I was a young man. And and even though I had heard. Believe you me, she she don't look like a preacher. I know she don't look like a preacher, but she's very uncompromising in her stand. Okay, <laughs> she 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 is, she's very very forthright in what she said and uncompromising in her stand. She's, she's 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 got a backbone, and she she definitely preached at me. And and I heard it, but I didn't always follow it. I didn't always follow it. But there was a point in time where I had to choose: Am I going to do what she said because she told me that, or am I going to do what's right because it's right, or am I going to do things my way? And and I made I made terrible mistakes and did things my way for a good long while till I till I as I've said woke up one day driving a tractor out on Gate Two Road uh, north of Paris and it's like a light hit me from heaven and I was like. They're all right. Every one of them that's told me stuff is right, and I'm stupid, and I've done things wrong all along. It just hit me like a bolt out of the blue. You know, people talk about an epiphany. I guess I had an epiphany. I don't know if that's what that really was or what, but God, God got the light through into my brain, and I saw that I was wrong, and I had messed up my life. And everybody, my grandpa, mama, everybody, all the people have been telling me, you've got to do things the right way. You've got to listen. You've got you to gotta follow God. You gotta, I mean, all that hit me at once, and I realized I was so, so wrong. And uh you know, Proverbs four we read a long time ago, but verses ten through fifteen, listen to what it says. He's told him to guide his heart in the way. Guide your heart in the way. He says there in, in verse in chapter four, verse ten, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. It's not enough just to hear it, you gotta take it. Right? Somebody said, Here, be sure to touch his coat. He's like, I don't need this coat. You didn't receive it, and and it's the same way. Here, take this truth. You'll need this through life. I, I don't need that. It's the same thing. He says, "Why that the years of and the years of thy life shall be many." It'll you it'll ensure you to have a longer life if you follow what God has said versus doing it your way. He said, "I've taught thee." Father said to him, "I have taught thee in the ways of wisdom. I laid a pattern out for you. I've led thee in the right path. In other words, I showed you by doing it. You saw me by an example." When thou goest, he says, thy steps shall not be straightened. Nobody will have to grab you and put you in handcuffs and teach you how to do it right. Your steps won't be straightened. Nobody will have to correct you if you'll follow what I've showed you. He said, listen, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble, because you're going to have a clear path. Take hold, fast hold of instruction. No word, latch on to it. Don't ever let go of it. Let her not go. He says, keep her. That's life or death stuff is our life. Instruction. And the sad thing is some people get to a point in their life and they're like, I done learned all I want to learn. I'm done. Don't ever quit learning. Don't ever quit seeking God. Don't ever quit trying to learn more. Don't ever quit digging deeper into the Word of God. Don't ever quit praying for more knowledge and instruction. He said, enter not into the path of the wicked. And go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Get away from the way of evil men. Guide thine heart in the way, the right way, God's way. He says, be not among wine-bibbers, amongst riotous, riotous eaters of flesh. The best advice to a son or daughter, say not associate with with, with and, or and to stay away from those who drink alcohol and binge on binge on i mean i don't i don't really think there's a whole lot of teenagers in danger of going to eat all oh, you can eat buffet and get too full but i'm saying you know when we're saying binge we're saying blood, the rightest eaters of flesh again we're not talking about five fat guys who go to the chinese buffet and eat all they things. eat i mean that's not exactly what we're talking about okay but we're talking about those who have a voracious appetite. And I, I'm, I, I can picture in my mind's eye the people I'm talking about. <clears throat> they're the ones who, who, who pile their plate so high, and they sit there and look at everybody else while they're eating. Just, I mean, there's, they, they can't. What it is is, is, is they stretch their stomach out so big. And I ain't talking about their abdomen. I'm saying their inside stomach. They've stretched out their 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 organ, the stomach, so big that it's almost impossible to fill it. And and so their appetite is so great that they can't control themselves. Y'all ever seen those shows? I don't even watch TV, but I know it's all embarrassing. a thousand pound sisters or six hundred pound, my six hundred pound life. Those shows are about people who can't control their appetite. Okay, I mean there are people people who who have medical conditions that make them large, but there are people who absolutely gorge themselves with food, and they cannot control themselves, and and so that's 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 the kind of person we're talking about here. It's people who can't, who just absolutely have no self-control whatsoever, and and the drunk and the glutton, God pairs them together here. Both of them have a bad future. Their their future is poverty and rags. And, and the wise man or the wise woman don't want to share that future. Wise man said, "I don't want to be broke." Wise man said, "I don't want to be—I don't want to have nothing because of my—I my, can't control myself." The drunkard and the glutton are the poster child for lack of self-discipline. And he says, he said it shall clothe a man in, in rags. Why? Because trouble trouble follows a drunkard. He can't help it; he's drunk. I've been, i been—I'm gonna say this tonight. I, you know, before I was a preacher, I was a I was a, a country singer in a country band in honky talks, Okay, I mean, I'm not proud of that, but I'm not—I'm not gonna hide from it either. I'm gonna tell you, I spent a lot of time around a lot of drunks. Now, let me say this: I may have been a country singer in a honky tonk, but I ain't never been a drinker. I never did care for alcohol; hate the stuff, horrible. Uh, you know, I, it went no better. I was in there. I was singing songs to people who was drinking, but but I watched a lot of drunks. I've seen a lot of drunks. I've seen a lot of stupid things done by a lot of people who had more sense than that. If they hadn't been drinking, they wouldn't have acted that way. But <clears throat> trouble follows a drunk. Everywhere. Drunk can't get out of his own way. Drunk can get mouthed. Drunk get getting in trouble because he can't keep his mouth shut. He, he he runs his mouth and and gets in his own way. He can't work a steady job because he has he got his habit. I remember I remember when I was a kid, my daddy had hired this guy We were roofing houses, and, and this, this guy kept pouring pouring beer into his Coke bottle and acting like he was drinking a Coke. My daddy said, that, "I can tell that ain't a Coke, man. That's a beer. What are you drinking? What are you doing? You fired. Get out of here." Guy couldn't he couldn't quit drinking long enough to work for a little bit. And, you know, it's pitiful. And and, and I, like I said, I've been around it a lot. You know, the drunk can't maintain good relationships in his life because he's undependable. You can't count on him. You know, you don't know if he's going to show up drunk or if he's going to show up sober. Again, his life is a mess, and it's going to be a ta- in a tailspin as long as he continues to drink. You know, he, he's, he's needy and clingy like a child, but with horrendous breath. And false praise. I say, a drunk, he said, I, say, I just love you. I love you. You're the greatest person in the world. You're my best friend. You know, what? They just, they, they false praise. They just heap up. And, and it's disgusting. But again, God says it'll grow him in rags. The lifestyle that he's living, it ain't going to go nowhere. It'll never benefit him. It'll never grow from where he's at. He's going to wear out his welcome is what he's going to do. And he's going to lose his friends and lose all his help because he can't get away from the alcohol. And then it says, let me me find the verse there. (coughs) It says, in drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Drowsiness. Well, once a drunkard has drank his fill, once a loud commotion he creates is over, he gonna find some place to get and lay down and snore like a chainsaw, right? And uh, you know, drowsiness will catch up to him again when the alcohol's done. He's he's out, but uh, but you know, I think about Thanksgiving. We all kind of turn into gluttons at Thanksgiving, don't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, I ain't gonna lie about it. I I, I love to eat at Thanksgiving. I mean, this is some of the best food I have all year. So, you know, and but what does it do to us though? We get done eating, we go in there and sit down in front of the ball game, we kick back in the recliner, we lay down on the couch, somebody goes in the spare bedroom, and pretty soon, or somebody goes out on the back porch in a lawn chair, and pretty soon all of them sleep. That's what happens, because that truck, the fan, and that turkey gets to you and goes to working on you, you're out, okay? But the glutton, the glutton lives every day as if it's Thanksgiving. He's always too tired or too too sleepy to to get much of anything done. And and when you overeat way too much, your stomach sends signals up to your brain and telling it that we got we got to get a lot of blood supply down here to the stomach, man, because cause all this food down here we got to do something with. So the blood supply rushes to your stomach to take care of the organs that are trying to digest all that food, and it and it takes away the blood supply from your brain, and you say. Ooh, I feel sleepy. Man, I got to go lay down. I feel full and sleepy. That's what happens, okay? And so so in turn, it, it deprives you of that normal blood, and, and you get drowsy, and you want to go to sleep. Uh, again, it'll clothe a man in rags why? because you can't do no work if you're sleeping. And if every time you eat, you got to go take a nap, you ain't going to have no time to get nothing done, and you're going to end up broken. You won't be able to feed your feet. You're eating habits. You're gonna be in a mess pretty soon. You're gonna be laying around hungry and can't got ain't got nothing put in your mouth. So anyway, let's move on from that. All right. Second, the second point tonight, besides warnings against wine, bibbing, and bad friends, uh, is an exhortation to listen to your parents. I know all of us in here gonna to listen to our parents, but but uh, anyway, my mom's still sitting here. I gotta listen to her. Amen. But uh, verse twenty-two it says, "Hearken unto thy father that begat thee." And despise not thy mother when she is old. So, hearken unto thy father that begat thee. Now, it goes a little beyond honor thy father and thy mother here. I mean, we're supposed to do that. But this goes beyond just honoring them. You know, you say, oh, that's my mother. Oh, thank you, Mom. Oh, that's honoring her. But hearkening means listening. Taking in what they got to say. It's, it's, it's not just taking it in, but following what they say. And it's not based on simple obedience. It's, it's, it's by understanding and wisdom. He says, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. I think about Jesus when he was hanging on that cross in John 19, 26 and 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, that being John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And, and then he said to that disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, the, his, the disciple took her into his own home. He cared for his mother even in, even in death. Dying on the cross, he made sure to honor his mother and take care of her and make sure she was cared for. And it goes beyond honor thy father and mother, but it's a second witness to the principle of honor thy father and thy mother in Exodus twenty twelve. And then a later it tells us the same thing over in Ephesians chapter six verse two about honoring thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth, that it's the first commandment with promise. So <clears throat> but when you know, if you live long enough and your parents live long enough, they're gonna get old and they're gonna get to the point where they're no longer able to do like they used to and take care of themselves and thank God mama ain't got there yet. But I know if we keep living it's gonna be a time where, where she may not be able to take care of herself, and if that time comes, it's going to be my job to make sure she's okay. It's going to be my job. To that. You can't take care of yourself. You come into my house to live. I mean, that's just the way it is. We're going to take care of you. That's the way it's supposed to be. It ain't supposed to be that we stick them away somewhere and forget about them. That's the horriblest thing you could ever do. And, and working in a nursing home ministry, listen, I, I I saw it over and over, week after week after week, month after month, firsthand. It's just And it just breaks your heart. absolutely breaks your heart. That ain't the way it's supposed to be. And that's what God, God tells us it ain't supposed to be like that. All right, the third thing, verse 23. The attitude we're to have toward wisdom. Boy, it's one of my favorite verses right here in Proverbs. It says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So the attitude we're supposed to have toward wisdom is we're supposed to get all of it we can get. Buy the truth and sell it not. We ought to have the mentality that we're willing to gain truth and wisdom and gain it at a cost instead of wanting to forsake it for a profit. God says to get it. Mark eight thirty six, I think, is a good companion verse with this, which says, What for what shall it profit a man? if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. That's gaining the whole world versus getting all the truth you can get because those two things are diametrically opposed. The truth versus the world. They're opposed. Your soul don't need the world. Your soul needs truth. John fourteen six. what did Jesus say? I am the truth. He said, I'm the way. I am the truth, but I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So, again, get all of Jesus you can get. Get all of the truth that Jesus gave that you can get. Get it, get it, get it, get it. Why? Because the world is full of the devil's deceptions. The world is full of it. Every day we live, we hear deception, whether you realize it or not. Revelation twelve nine makes it clear. It says, and the great dragon was cast out, that whole serpent. Called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. It says it right there. I don't know why people miss that. I don't know why some people think that this world is a good place. And I know I don't mean that that the soil and the trees and the flowers and the birds and the and the, and the, and the animals and all that make it a bad place. Or, or or but but it's the evil that's in this world that makes it a bad place. I went and had I went and had some coffee with a friend of mine that I hadn't really spent much time with in about thirty years on on Monday was it, no it was yesterday wasn't it? it was Tuesday, and uh, you know I I hadn't talked to him but one time in thirty thirty years probably, and uh, we sat down about an hour and a half and visited and you know he had a lot of questions why why it's, I mean he I mean he's a believer but he's he he's not. He's not just an extremely knowledgeable believer, but he had a lot of questions about why the world is the way it is. And I gave, I gave him some answers, and that helped him and cleared him up on some things. But it, just in disbelief at what this world has turned into. But again, I'm not shocked, and we shouldn't be shocked, because again, the whole world has been deceived. The whole world is in deception. And the, and the further we go, the more the devil comes out in the open and says, hey, it was me all oh. along. Because uh, he's starting to show himself very clearly amongst people and 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 he wants you to trade or sell the truth that you have for his life that's exactly what the devil wants you to do he wants you to say oh you know that, that, that that's silly in the word of God you know everybody believes like this everybody in the world besides believers believe that you can somehow be good enough to earn heaven. But there's no way we know that. How many weeks in a row have I preached through Galatians? There's no way that you could ever be good enough. But there are people who still believe that they can somehow they somehow gotta be good enough if they're going to get to heaven. That's that's part of the deception that the devil is given. He wants to lie. He wants to lie to you and get you to believe that. Because if he can get you to believe that, then he gets you back onto the law again, like we talked about on Sunday mornings. <clears throat> again, prayed your truth for his lies. He offered it to Jesus, didn't he? He did. I mean, and you and I ain't nobody special compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Matthew 4, 8 and 9, what did Satan say? He says, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. And the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. That's still a little swapping, A little horse trading. That's what he's saying. Jesus, let's do a little horse trading. You 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 give up your truth, and I'll give you everything there is. He does that to anybody who's willing to serve you. He'll promise you the world. Now he'll take it back. He won't give it to you because he's a liar, but he's a grand liar. He'll make you believe you can have anything you want. That's why these these stingers are outright just worshiping Satan out in the open. I mean, again, every year at the Super Bowl, I wait, I, I I I watch to see the satanic stuff that comes out of that because every year they put they put satanic stuff in there. This year, that Taylor Swift stuff and all that satanic imagery and things that they were doing up there in the booth and. It's just, I ain't got time to go off into that like I want to, but anyway. But the devil wants you to he wants you to trade the truth. He wants you to leave the truth. He wants you to give it up. He, he wants you to, to forget wisdom, to forsake wisdom. But the Bible says, buy the truth. Spurgeon said, uh, no, it wasn't Spurgeon. It's Matthew Poole said, purchase it upon any terms, no matter what it costs. That's what he's saying. Fair no pains, nor costs to get it. It'll be worth more in the long run. Don't make no difference what you gotta pay for it. Virgin said, "Buy the truth. That is, be willing at all hope at all risks to hold on to the truth. Buy it as the martyrs did when they gave their bodies to be burned for it. Buy it as many have done when they have gone to prison for it." They say, so I'd rather I'd rather hold on to the Lord Jesus and the truth I know in Jesus than renounce that and have my freedom. I'd rather be locked away in a cell with my Savior than to renounce my Savior and and and, and let the world give me freedom. I'd rather live, lay down my life and die and enter his presence than to live here forsaking him. Fell it not version again he said sell it not sell it not it cost Christ too dear sell it not you made a good bargain when you bought it sell it not sell it not it has not disappointed you it has satisfied you and made you blessed sell it not you want it sell it not you will want it the hour of death is coming on the day of judgment is close upon its heels sell it not you cannot buy it's like again you can never find a better. There ain't nowhere else to turn. Like Peter said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? There ain't nowhere else. And the Savior says we should buy from him. Where does he say that? Revelation 3.18. He told the church at Laodicea, he said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold fried in the fire. That's pure. That represents purity. Amen. He wants us to, to come to him to be pure. That thou mayest be rich, not in this world's good, but rich in heavenly riches. And white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness need, do not appear. That's his righteousness we're clothed in. And anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see, that the lies of the devil don't cloud our vision to this world. That we uh, Get that. That we're living according to the righteousness of Christ, covered in his righteousness, and looking through eyes like his. That's what he wants. And that's what he says he has for us. And that settles it right there. I mean, it really does. If we don't want what what Christ is selling, then we ain't going to pay much attention to what this is. We only buy what we really want. And if you don't want truth, you know what? God ain't going to force you to buy it. God ain't going to force you to take it. God ain't going to force you to hang on to it. God ain't going to force you to believe it. And you know what? If you split hell wide open, God ain't going to want that for you, but he ain't going to stop you. And there's people who ignore the truth and they'll leave the truth. They don't want the truth and they'll end up in hell because they don't want Christ. And it breaks my heart, but it is what it is. And he says also wisdom, understanding, and instruction and understanding. And and Proverbs uses these terms synonymously. They, they mean the same thing. Truth, instruction, and understanding in this context are all ways of describing wisdom. And then verses 24 and 25, and we'll finish up. Wise children bring joy to their parents. It says in verse 24 and 25, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bare thee shall rejoice. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he'll rejoice why? He'll rejoice not because his son is rich, but righteous. If his son knows Christ as his Savior, if, he has, if he's truly righteous, not just acts righteous, not just a good moral person, but is righteous on the inside and the out, that's what causes a father to rejoice, not because he hopes his son has a good life and has good friends and good associates, but that his son enters into God's heaven. That's the most important thing, and that causes a father to rejoice, knowing that his child is on his way to heaven. He rejoices that his son has the righteousness of Christ imputed to him. He didn't deserve it, but Christ has laid his own righteousness over his self-righteousness, which is in filthy rags. God's righteousness is applied. He rejoices that his son has Christ's righteousness and true holiness working in him. And because of of that, because the righteousness of Christ lives in the son, he, he, he lives soberly. He don't live carelessly and drunken. He lives righteously. He doesn't live worldly and godlessly. He lives godly because of the righteousness that's in him. And this is obviously a father who himself is righteous. Because wicked men don't give two hoops whether their kids are righteous or not. They don't care if their kids have character. They don't care the state of the condition of their, kid, uh, their children's soul. They could care less. You know, they might care, uh, you're making money, you, you're doing good in this world. They might care about those things, but they don't care about their eternal soul. But boy, to a, to a, to a child of God who has children, to, to see them serve the Lord, see them love the Lord, it's a blessing. What a blessing it is to have righteous and wise children. And that parent will find delight in their child. And the last thing it says, thy father and thy mother shall be glad. And, and again, one, one reason for a son or a daughter to pursue and to gain godly wisdom is because it'll make their parents glad. And they ought to want to please their parents. That's one good reason, but that's not the best. The best is because they need it. But it is a good thing too. And it'll be a blessing and a reward to, to the one who gave their son or daughter life and an upbringing. I, I mean, and did all they did for them, especially if they're wise in the best things, if they're wise enough to believe on Christ unto salvation. Young man or young woman may be wise and, and knowing things about nature, about this world. They may have a good sense of humor. They may have lots of common sense, and those are all great things. But to know the Lord is the grandest of them all. I think about old Timothy, you know, Lois and, Lois and, and, uh, what was it, Eunice. That was his mother and grandmother. And they had a great joy of Timothy because from a child he knew the Holy Scripture. And so, and so our Heavenly Father, he looks at us the same way. His children who, who are righteous and are wise, not because of their own doing, but because of his grace that he's given to them. I'm gonna close with Third John 1:4, which says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth." Amen. I hope and pray that yours do, and if not, I hope and pray that they that they will, because it's a it's such a blessing to be able to have a spiritual conversation with your child, and to know that they know the Lord, and 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 to and to know that they're praying for you. It's such a blessing, and I hope that's the case with you. And I, and I know I'm I'm talking to people out there tonight. Maybe that's not the case with their family, but I want you to know something tonight. All you got to do is come to Christ, He'll forgive sin, he'll give you everlasting life. He can fix whatever's wrong in your marriage and your home and your relationship with your child, but you got to turn yourself over to him. you got to let him have your life and live according to his word. Come visit us at Temple Baptist sometime we'll help you amen we'll We'll love on you and help you amen i'm I'm glad you came to church tonight. Let's stand together. And let's get ready to go to the house. <coughs> All right. Amen. Thank God for the for the precious word of God. Amen. What would we do without without the truth of the word of God? Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Let's ask God to bless us. Brother Byron, dismiss us in prayer.